Pastor Xavier Reese and the Angel of Light. Satan was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 12 of Ezekiel tells us, chapter 28. Now, so often we think of Satan, this guy with the red PJs and the pitchfork. But he comes as a beautiful person. If he came as this ugly thing, you, you wouldn't give him the time of day. But he doesn't come like that. He says here he's seal of perfection and wisdom and perfect in beauty. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. First you hear the music with the haunting beat, then slowly appearing from behind the creeping door, elongated, almost human, but overtly hideous fingers. Well, things aren't always what they seem, or in the case of Satan, he's nowhere near what Hollywood tells us he is. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Isaiah, Pastor Xavier paints a real picture of this foe of God and those who follow Jesus. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 11 for today's intriguing study, O Lucifer. The judgment of God is always according to the measure of light that one possesses, the knowledge that one has received. And to those that much is given, much will always be required. We see that clearly here on earth, on every level, and surely it will be the principle in heaven. Here we get a picture about Satan in Isaiah's passage. The prophet Isaiah is proclaiming judgment on Babylon in chapter 13 and 14, having a twofold fulfillment. That which is present in his day, Babylon to come, just hundred and some years after that. And the last day tribulation where Babylon will be the entire stage for the Antichrist. The prophet dates the prophecy for us in chapter 14, verse 28. This is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. This is the second king that's died in Isaiah. 726 B.C. So he sets this prophecy back with a date. But in the midst of this prophecy, as he is proclaiming judgment on the king of Babylon, that in fact is not even a world empire, yet Assyria is a world empire, but God will judge Babylon for her cruelty towards Israel. But in the midst of this prophecy, he opens up to us a window in heaven to the person who is the source behind the scenes on the earth regarding all evil, Satan himself. He's already opened up a window to the court of heaven in chapter 1. Now he opens up a window that we might look in the past, the origin of Satan the things that took place. And so having this before us, we want to study it carefully because he is the enemy. And if you're a child of God, you are his target in many different ways. So you need to understand who he is, what his strategies are, where he comes from. And so what we want to do is look at Satan as Isaiah reveals him here to us, the nature of the world by his influence 
And he does this through three things. Let me read verses 12 on down to 17. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? Again, the primary fulfillment he's directing to the king of Babylon. The secondary fulfillment is the last day prophecies in the kingdom of the Antichrist. And in the midst of this, he addresses the activities of Satan, showing the influence behind the kingdoms of the world. We want to focus on him in this passage. And he shows us the nature of the world and the influence of Satan in three ways. First of all, the person of Satan in verse 12. Secondly, the personal words of Satan in verses 13 and 14. And then thirdly, the prophetic destiny of Satan in verses 15 through 17. Let's begin here with the person of Satan in verse 12. That's why I've entitled the message, O Lucifer! Exclamation point. Almost like saying, how could you? What was in your mind? What were you thinking? Notice first Satan's abode at one time was heaven. How you are fallen from heaven. Now we need the book of Ezekiel to fill in the blanks here. And whenever you want to study Satan, you study Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. So just jot down Ezekiel 28 from verse 11 to 15, and I'm going to quote you some stuff that's there. Ezekiel tells us that Satan was perfect in his ways from the day that he was created by God, in verse 15. Perfect in his way. It doesn't mean that he was sinless. It doesn't mean that he was all-powerful, all-present. It means that there was nothing wrong with him. He was designed and created exactly for the purpose of God. No flaw. Satan was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, verse 12 of Ezekiel tells us, chapter 28. Now, so often we think of Satan, this guy with the red PJs and the pitchfork. We, we tattoo him on our bodies, born to raise hell, and all kinds of different things. But he doesn't come with the red PJs, and he certainly doesn't stick you with the pitchfork. But he comes as a beautiful person. Some attractive, hey, how you doing? Oh, pretty good, hey. Have you considered this? If he came to you with red PJs and pitchfork, you'd know who he was. If he came as this ugly thing, you, you wouldn't give him the time of day. But he doesn't come like that. He, it says here he's, he's beautiful. Seal of perfection and wisdom, perfect in beauty. You see, Ezekiel 
And verse 13 tells us that Satan was in the Eden, the garden of God, covered with every precious stone, perhaps as the leader of worship of God in heaven, whose timbrels and pipes, it says, were prepared for him the day he was created. So he was not only the head cherub, as we're going to see, but he was kind of the overseer, if not the leader of the worship in heaven. Music is a powerful thing. If you've ever worked at a boring job, you appreciate music. It makes the time fly. But music also is fun. It's a way to relax. But Satan has grabbed the whole of the music of the world and has turned into just verbal pornography. Nothing wrong with secular music. It's what the words are in it. Sometimes as Christians we can be extreme and say, oh, I don't, you don't listen to secular music, do you? Yeah. But I don't listen to perverted rap or anything, but nothing wrong with listening to good music. But I want to make sure I'm listening to worship music and the music of God. So I have to be careful. It's the words that's important. Now, the Eden that Ezekiel's talking about, he says, was the garden of God covered with every precious stone. The leader of heaven in terms of worship. This Eden that he's talking about here in Ezekiel has to be different from the Eden in Genesis 3. Because this Eden, he's not fallen yet. He's walking with God. Wherever that may be, maybe the Eden here is just talking about heaven itself. But don't confuse this Eden in Ezekiel with the Eden in Genesis 3. Read it carefully. Ezekiel 4, verse 14 says, Satan was the anointed cherub who covered. I established you who were on the holy mountain of God and walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. It was God who had given that position. The flaming cherub. A cherub, as you know, one who stands in the presence of God at his throne. In the mercy seat, you had two of them, one on each end. The wings crossed, and the glory of God appeared in the center. The scriptures tell us there's two wings, there's four wings, and there's six wings, uh, cherub and cherubims. We've already seen in chapter 6, verse 2, the cherub, the seraphim that touched the lips of Isaiah. Six wings, two they covered their faces, two their feet, and two they flew. The cherubim Ezekiel tells us also in chapter 1 and 10 of the different wings too. And you have two, four, six. The six seem to be the seraphim as we've seen. Cherub, singular. Cherubim, plural. Seraph, singular. Cherubim, plural. Same order. Now there are also archangels, but we only know of one archangel by name, and that's Michael in Jude 1.9. No one else is named an archangel outside of him. Now, we believe that perhaps Gabriel may be but we're not positive. Scripture doesn't say it. So the only one who is an archangel declared in Scripture is Michael, according to Jude. And then, of course, you know the regular angels. Angels that are ministering spirits of the earth of salvation to you and myself in Hebrews 1, 7 and 1, 14. Angels are God's uh, instruments for his people throughout the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Colossians 1, 16 says, For by him were created all things, visible and visible, things in earth, things in heaven. doesn't make any difference. And since they were all created by God, they are less than God. They are not God. It's real simple. Now notice, secondly here, that Satan's fall was from heaven also. 
It was not only his abode, but it was his fall from heaven. His sin was from within. Once again, Ezekiel helps us here from verse 15 on down to 18 of chapter 28. His sin was from within, being a free moral agent. You see, angels are free moral agents. They have a choice to serve God or not. Now, the only thing is that angels cannot be saved or redeemed. Salvation and redemption was made for man, not for any angel. An angel blows it. His eternity is sealed. Man has the opportunity of repentance and redemption. Ezekiel, in verse 15, they're telling us, till iniquity was found in you. So this is the second time. The wrong came from within him. God created him perfect. The sin was of his own doing. No one in heaven could say, well, God made him that way. No, no, no. Today, people say, well, you know, it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. So we're into the philosophy of dysfunctionalism. It's no one's fault. It's somebody else's fault. We're codependent. But see, in the days of Jeremiah, they had the same philosophy. They said, you know, our parents ate sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. <laughs> it's the same philosophy, right? It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Listen, if your teeth are on edge, you probably ate some sour grapes yourself. Duh. Real simple. But it's amazing to the place we've gotten in our society, right? It's nonsensical. Verse 16 of Ezekiel 28, it says, You became filled with violence. Here it is again. From within. And you sinned. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty and corrupted your wisdom from this, for the sake of your own splendor, verse 17 says. Satan... Lucifer had self-esteem and got carried away with it. <laughs> he felt very good about himself. So good that he tried to take over heaven. Isn't that what goes on today? Everybody's so in love with themselves. They deserve everything. Everybody's got to do everything for them. They got to believe in themselves. Hey, listen, Lucifer believed in himself, got him in trouble. Verse 18 says, you defile your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your iniquities of your trading. He prostituted his position. He used it for his own benefit. He falsely accused and slandered God to all the other angels. The word devil means false accuser and slander. He's the accuser of the brethren. He goes before the throne of God to accuse us day and night. Now, his rebellion led other angels astray. Revelations 12.4 tells us that his tail drew a third of the heavenly host. So a third of the angels followed him. With this third, there are angels of darkness that are bound. There are those who are permanently bound in Tartarus in chains. They're so vile. 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude 6. They will never be let loose. That's how vile they are. There are those who are temporarily bound in the bottomless pit who will be loosed in the great tribulation. Revelations 9, 2 and 14. The angels of darkness 
that are loose are of two kinds in this present time. First, there are demons who seem to have a need to possess a physical body, people. Unbelievers, never a believer. There is not one case, old or new, where a believer is possessed by a demon. That is a tragic heresy that has just infiltrated the church. And the churches gather around to cast out demons out of Christians, which all the Christians really need is a good kick in the pants and reckon the old man dead and quit feeding your flesh. And so who gets all the attention in the church? Satan, because everybody's there casting out demons, right? How interesting. Now, there are also evil spirits who seem to influence people in the world. The scriptures uh, tell us that they cause, at times, dumbness, deafness, blindness, or sickness. Now, a wrong conclusion is to say that everybody who's blind, deaf, and dumb is demon-possessed. No. But we do read in the scriptures that, at times, because of demon possession, these abnormalities do happen. So we have to be careful. Don't categorize everybody like that. In fact, his kingdom is described as the kingdom of wicked spirits in Ephesians 6, 12. The upper atmosphere. There's an angelic warfare going on in here. God could open our eyes. Good angels and bad angels. Warfare going on right now. In fact, John tells us that many spirits have gone out into the world and we are to try the spirits whether they are of this worldly system or of God. 1 John 4, 1. How do we judge it? By the word of God. Now notice thirdly here. The saints pronounced judgment is declared. The expression is of shame and disappointment as well as condemnation. O Lucifer, son of the morning. His privilege was high and unique. His sin was the worst that could be committed in view of his position and measure of light. No one higher than he, apart from God. His name Lucifer means light bearer. Morning star. Revelation 22 tells us that Jesus is the morning star. The judgment over his person was that he, notice, was cut where? To the ground. And isn't that the way when people try to exalt themselves, they end up eating crow? If you like to exalt yourself, give yourself a good salt shaker. Because crow doesn't taste good without salt. He was removed from his place of privilege of being the worship leader in heaven. He was rejected from being the leading cherub in heaven. Listen, there are some things in your life that you are not going to have to deal with. They're not worth it. Just ignore it. It'll go away. But there are some other things in your life with people, whether it be friends or family, that if you don't deal with it, it'll destroy you. You need to clear things up. So you need to have the discernment. God's judgment was swift and to the point. Notice fourthly here, Satan's power over the nations. He is the one responsible for the evil 
of the nations in the world. You who weaken the nations. The context of our passage in Isaiah is the king of Babylon. We've already said that, chapter 13 and 14 to verse 27, 28. He's looking to an immediate fulfillment, even though it's a hundred and some years before Babylon's even an empire, because Assyria is the top one, as we said. God was pronouncing judgment on that nation for their cruelty that was going to come to the Jews. Nebuchadnezzar, remember, made a statue of gold, right? He had that dream, and Daniel says, you're the head of gold. He says, oh, no, no, the whole statue's me, gold. So in chapter 3, he makes the, the image. And so God had to put him on R&R to eat some grass for a while. <laughs> then in chapter 5, you have Belshazzar, who's having a drunken debauched feast. And he says, hey, bring in the vessels of the temple. Let's party. And as he's drinking and getting all crocked, he Little finger writes on the wall, says, Meeny, meeny, tackle you farce, and you've been way, you've been found, and your number's up, you're dead. And it says his knees began to smite one against another, and he sobered up real quick. That night he was dead. Medo Persia took over Babylon. Hmm. So the immediate is Babylon, but the secondary long term is what? The Antichrist and the kingdom of Babylon. Revelation 17, 18. We've looked at that. But I say this to give the context, but we're looking into heaven. What's behind all of this? It's Satan. What was the first empire in rebellion against God after the fall? The Tower of Babel. Babylon. One of the cities was Nineveh, Regenesis. How interesting. This Babylonian system continues to the day, will go to the last days. The ecumenical movement that's going on today in the church. Let's just all love one another. Let's just, you know, be tolerant. Let's be gracious. Listen, God doesn't teach sloppy agape. <laughs> God says no out of love. God says stop it out of love. God says, I'm going to humble you out of love. He is affirmed to be over the nations as Gabriel reveals to Daniel the satanic relationship to the nations, remember Daniel 10, 11 through 13? He says this to him, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking these words to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief prince, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. The warfare that goes on in the kingdoms. What's behind it? The satanic influence. All the world. Hitler is a perfect illustration Read some books, The Hollow Earth, The Morning of the Magician, to show you how demonic his movement was, how they were seeking the occult and satanic guidance and everything from the masters in South America, Central America. And many of them after that fled to Central South America. That's why he could do what he could do without any conscience. That's why he could get as far as he almost did. If it wasn't for God, Hitler would have accomplished it. If Hitler would have accomplished what he wanted to, you could have thrown your Bible away because there's no more kingdoms outside of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. The last empire after Rome is the Ten-Nation Confederacy. If Hitler would have fulfilled it, you could have thrown your Bible away. 
God's in control. But the influence of Satan is in the world, to the rulers. Pastor Xavier Reese, providing some familiar evidence for the scope of Satan's influence over man. There's more to come. That's next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is, O Lucifer. It's available on CD for only $4. And this would be one to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study to clarify both the powers and limitations of Satan. So once again, the title to ask for is, O Lucifer, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And don't forget to join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 